If I could have you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we'll be taking a look this morning at verses 26 through 40. I want you to understand that the heart of this passage is the heart of what a missionary is, and particularly what I call a missionary witness. And everyone in this room right now that knows Christ, we're called to be a missionary and a witness for Christ. I want to share with you this morning the purpose statement of our church. The purpose of Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo is to proclaim the Word of God so that people will come to know Jesus Christ personally, grow in understanding and faith, and sow Jesus passionately to others. It's to know Him, grow in Him, and sow Him to others. That's the purpose of our church. It's to share Christ. And this morning we're going to look at a gentleman by the name of Philip. Now understand in the first century church in Jerusalem, the church had become comfortable. They got comfortable with where they were and they stayed within the confounds of Jerusalem. They weren't going out. They weren't listening to Christ's mandate to go out into all the world. And so what God did is he used a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus to come in and persecute the church. That caused people to to flee. But listen to what it says in Acts chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Did you hear that? Get comfortable. God sends in a little persecution. They scatter, but they didn't just scatter and go somewhere to be safe. They went and proclaimed Christ. And what we're going to see in this morning's message we're going to learn some practical ways that we can be an effective missionary right here in our own hometown, right here in Mission Viejo. Let's look, at, let's look at the first three verses, verses 26 through 28. It says, But when the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south on the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading from the prophet Isaiah. From these verses right here, we're going to see our first two ideas of what it means to be an effective missionary right here in Orange County. The first thing is we need to be sensitive to God's leading. We need to be sensitive to listen to the Holy Spirit as he leads us into opportunities to share with others. Now it says right there in verse 26, it says, but an angel of the Lord spoke, by the word, that that word spoke is, it's a verb, and it's, it's an aorist tense, and it's an indicative, and it means it's a command. The Lord didn't say, hey, I think he commanded Philip to go. Now understand, Philip is one of those peoples that was in Jerusalem. He was scattered, and when Philip was scattered, he went down to Samaria. But as he went, he shared Christ, and, and he didn't go to set up a tent and, and create a big kind of a revival thing. What he did is he shared Christ one person at a time. This is what I call normal Christianity. He just went and talked to people about Jesus. What happened is, is the Holy Spirit moved in power and began to save people, so much so that John and Peter come down to see what's going on. It got back to the church in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus gave a mandate in the book of Acts, right before he was lifted and ascended to heaven. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem 
in all Judea, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. By the way, we're the remotest parts of the earth. And this mandate is for every believer. Each of us is to be a missionary witness. Each of us, wherever your influence is, God is calling you from this, commanding you to go. And there's no wiggle room in that statement. It's not like, well, that's for some, but not me. It's not my gifting. No, this is for each person. And God rarely calls people to be mass evangelists. Rarely does he call someone to be a Billy Graham or to be a Greg Glory. He calls people like you and me that just know other people, that we just share Christ openly. So many people are converted that Peter and John come down and, and they see this great work of God. And in the middle, literally, of revival, Philip hears the Holy Spirit say, get up and go. Get up and leave. That's sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a listening heart. And the way that you develop a heart that's sensitive to God's leading is you know him. You meet him regularly. There's no real science to it. It's do you meet the Lord every day? Do you meet him in his word and in prayer? Are you seeking his guidance? And, and if you do, and if you are meeting him regularly, you'll understand and know his voice. And I can tell you without a, without a doubt that he is calling each one of us to be a witness. Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, O Lord, I will hear your voice, and in the morning I will order my prayer to you, and I will eagerly watch. Now, why do we need missionaries? I mean, what's the point? Well, there's two insurmountable barriers that keep people from coming to Christ. The first one is the heart of natural man. The Bible teaches that the the human heart, the natural man, the person without Christ, the heart is deceitfully wicked. As a matter of fact, the book of Ephesians says it's so bad that it's spiritually dead, that it cannot and will not hear the truth. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 3 puts it like this. It says, you live in the lust of your flesh and you are by nature children of wrath. Romans 1.30 says that the natural man is a hater of God. That's a problem. Those that are lost on their own cannot and will not and do not want to come to Christ because their hearts are dark. The Bible says they're blind. The Bible says they cannot hear. Matter of fact, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. It's desperately sick. And so the the first thing that hinders people from coming to Christ is they're Our own hearts are given over to sin. And if that's not bad enough, there's a second thing. There's a second barrier, and this is Satan and his demon hosts. Satan does not want people to come to know the truth about Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is hell-bent on keeping people from coming into the kingdom. And what he wants to do is he wants to cause havoc to happen when the gospel is preached, doesn't he? You ever notice that when you're sharing Christ and all of a sudden you get to the cross and what Christ has done, boom, everything starts to happen. The dog barks, the phone rings, right? Why? Distraction. Keep people from understanding the gospel. And guys, it is hopeless unless you have the Holy Spirit. And praise God for the Holy Spirit because God is always moving through His Spirit. God's heart is always reaching out. And if you're sensitive to God's leading, God uses human instruments like you and me to go out and proclaim the gospel. And Philip was sensitive. As a matter of fact, it says right here 
get up in verse 26, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, you've got to understand the context here. There's a major revival. God's doing stuff. And I would just say, that must be a mistake. I mean, things are happening right here. But no, he listens, he hears, then he obeys. And by the way, that road that leads to Jerusalem to Gaza, this is in Samaria where he hears this. Jerusalem's 30 miles away. The road that leads down to Gaza is another 20 miles. That's a 50-mile walk. And you would think he'd say, well, well, God, you sure? I mean, that's a desert road. I mean, it's hot out there. And that's kind of you and I, right? Really, God, you want me to go speak to that person? Really? None of that. Philip simply obeys. He was sensitive to God's leading. It it was like John and Sonia, they were saying, they were confirmed. God said, go on this trip, right? Oh, my job, having problems. Oh, we've got problems with family. Oh my gosh, we're having problems with our visa. Oh gee whiz, the trailer thing fell through. I mean, five o'clock the night before I get this call, by the way, we have no transport for all the stuff. But they persevered. Why? Because they were confirmed. They knew that God had called them. And remember, our God is a missionary. Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven to come here to become one of us. Why? To reach us, to save us. He is the example. Yeah, but Pastor Rob, I've never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I want you to hear Jesus' voice right now. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you hear that voice? Because the voice of Christ is clear in Scripture. It's black and white. And the question is, are you willing to listen and obey? First thing, be sensitive to God's leading. Second thing, be available without conditions. Be available no matter what. Just say, God, I'm available. The problem is, oftentimes we say, God, I'm available if (laughs) certain criteria. Look at verses 27 and 28 again. It says, so he got up and he went And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in a chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, what God does is he uses human instruments oftentimes to accomplish the work of the gospel. And that's you and me. And what he does is he he calls us to go out and be the mouthpiece to present the gospel to others. And some of you might say, well, well, Pastor Rob, to be honest, I've never really heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Let me ask you something. You ever been somewhere and you you just feel like God's kind of nudging you to go talk to somebody? You know, it's just that that feeling like, man, maybe I should share right now. But you don't because, you know, I don't know what to say and I feel uncomfortable and I might offend them. And and then later on, another person comes around and you're like, oh, I think God wants me to share. But you don't because, you know, it's it's not the right timing. And I don't know that much about the Bible anyway. and, And then another time, God leads you to somebody else and... You don't. Maybe the problem isn't that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to you. Maybe the bigger issue is you don't listen and you're not willing to obey and so you now you no longer feel like he's speaking to you. Obey. Each of us is commanded to be a missionary. Each of us is commanded to go and proclaim Christ and, and don't have conditions. Philip was the kind of man that just said, Lord, I'll obey. And then he didn't have any conditions. He didn't say, Lord, that's a 30-mile walk. That's a 40-mile walk. I, He just said, Lord, yes, I'll leave this great thing that's happening here and I'll trust that you'll lead me on this desert road to go here. And I saw this with this whole group in Mexico this year. Nobody had a condition. Nobody complained. They just said, hey, I'll serve. 
There was no complaining on this trip. It was a wonderful experience. And Philip went expecting God to do something. And if you look here, it says that there was an Ethiopian eunuch. So he's on this desert road. I don't know how long it takes to walk 30, 40, 50 miles, but he's been there a while, right? And all of a sudden, boom, here's this man with a whole entourage. And what happens is, is God is constantly pursuing. And this Ethiopian eunuch, he, he's a, a court official of Candace the Queen. It says he went to Jerusalem to worship. I think he's a seeker. He's somebody who's seeking to know who God is, and he shows up to Jerusalem, but I don't think he got the full experience. For one thing, we know that you can only fully worship God through Christ, so we know that. But the other thing is this, this man's what we call an emasculated man. He would never be allowed into the areas of worship. He'd have to stay in the court of the Gentiles. And so I think he leaves a little confused and maybe a little depressed, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And by the way, he's a high-ranking official. In, in the Ethiopian culture, the king was considered a god, so the government was run by the queen. And Candace is a title, it's not a name, it's like Pharaoh. And so she's the leader, underneath there's this guy. And he's in charge of all the money. He's a very powerful man. But God has brought him right there. Philip was available. He was sensitive. And not only that, guys, you need to be creative to bridge a gap. You need to be creative to bridge to share Christ. That's the third thing. Sometimes the Lord's going to bring you somewhere or to somebody, but he doesn't always tell you what to say or how to say it, right? That's where creativity comes in. Look at verses 29 and 30. It says, the, f- the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? Now, Philip immediately obeys he, he's not intimidated. I mean, I think it'd be intimidating. You, you walk up and, and here's this man with a whole entourage. You can tell he's powerful. He's in a chariot. He's very wealthy. But God is in the business of providing opportunities. God is in the business of having us run and come into contact with people. And oftentimes, like with Philip here, he, he goes up and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. I mean, how better can you get? I mean, the guy's got a Bible. He's, he's right there. You know, it's probably a scroll. Man, everything's set up. But the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him what to do or what to say. And what he does, he creatively, he what? He asks a question. He bridges the gap from the physical to the spiritual with a question. And what Philip could have done, I mean, he could have been prideful and said, you know what, I just came from a, from a whole revival and God was using me and he sent me here to talk to you. There ain't no pride there, right? And he doesn't say, you don't know the book of Isaiah? I mean, everybody knows the book of Isaiah, right? He, he doesn't insult the man. He, he doesn't go something like, you know, um, I can tell you're not saved. And so obviously I'm here to tell you how to be saved, right? He's not rude. He simply asks a question, a simple question, to try to draw him out so that he can share the gospel. I want to share a few questions that you can share with people. One would be, this is a great one, what do you think is wrong with the world today? They're going to say, oh, politics, financial issues, wars, and you can say sin. Bridge the gap. I love to read biographies. Who do you think the greatest person ever lived was? Lincoln, George Washington, I don't know. You can say Jesus and begin to share Christ. Here's another one. I know that you're struggling right now, financially, physically. 
How are you doing spiritually? Suddenly you have an open door to begin to share Christ. Think of questions that you can share with people. Now, some people like to use tracks. They carry tracks on them and say, hey, can I show you this? Other people use little things like questionnaires. We've done that in some of the evangelism ministries. You try to be creative to draw people in, right? Yesterday, women's event right here. Why do we do that? Was it so that they could buy the gifts and, and sing together? Yes, but what was the bottom line? Bottom line so we could share the gospel. I think I heard that a third of the women that were here that aren't part of this church. Many of them don't know Christ. And so creatively, we create a venue to draw people in. Be sensitive, available, creative. Also, be respectful. When you respect a person, it opens the door so that you can share. Be respectful to open the door to conversation. And oftentimes, that's the first step to allowing somebody to say, hey, I'm willing to talk to you. Look at verses 30 through 34. It says, Philip ran up and he heard the Isaiah, the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture, which he was reading was this, he was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, and he does not open his mouth. And in humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who will relate to his generations? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, whom does the prophet say this of himself or of someone else? Now, Philip goes up to this man and he asks him that question, Hey, what are you reading, right? But then what does he do? He shuts up <laughs> and he listens. He shows respect. And, and, and I got to be honest with you, sometimes that's my biggest problem is I'm so thinking ahead of what I'm going to say is honestly I'm not listening And sometimes I cut people off and I'm not willing to give them the time that they need to just share their heart and be open about what God's doing in their life and where they're at and those kind of things. And don't assume if the person doesn't know very much about the Bible or or things of Scripture that they're ignorant. I mean, this is a very, very intelligent man. He's a man of power, a man of prestige. And I think what Philip does is he gives him the respect that he's due. A wonderful Scripture is 1 Peter 3.15, it says, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. But then it says, And always be prepared to give an answer to the one who asks, to give a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. And there's a lot of ways that we can do this in a practical way with people. One thing that we did on this, on this trip to Mexico is, A way to show the Mexican people respect is that when we were doing ministry, we dressed up. Now, you've got to understand, a lot of this trip is working hard, so we're wearing old jeans, tattered T-shirts, there's paint everywhere, tar everywhere. But when we went to minister, we changed clothes, and we tried to clean up as best as we could. And we tried to show the people that we respected them, and this gave us a, a more of an open door. Another thing was time. We start services right on time here, right? Well, there it's, you got a little wiggle room. I mean, women's tea, VBS, 10 o'clock, we said. We passed out flyers, 10 o'clock. It's almost 10.30 and people are still coming. We waited. We showed respect. It's important for us as we're meeting with people to say, hey, we want to show them, uh, be a witness. And also one way to show, show respect is approach them with the heart of love that you have for Christ. Don't have the seat. This is not an obligation. 
my heart is because I love Jesus and that's what I want to share. And because you love God so much, you'll show them the love of Christ and this will draw them into you. One way that we tried to show respect to the people, remember they, they talked about the, that when they did the roof, that tar got into her house. Now, most of you would call this house a shack, right? And so you'd think, oh, we just leave it. We put a whole team together. We went in and we cleaned it. We didn't want to leave it like that. This is her home. And so we did the best we could with what we had to try to make this home presentable to this woman. Be sensitive, available, creative, and respectful. Also, the fifth thing, be prepared. Be prepared to give an answer. It helps to have it be a biblical answer. And even though a person being converted is totally a work of God, people still have to hear the gospel. That's how God works. Look at verses 35 through 39. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordained that the chariot stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went away rejoicing. Now, how does Philip respond to this man? He preached Jesus to him. Second Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And one of the reasons often that people will not share the gospel, won't share Christ, is they don't feel they have enough biblical knowledge. You feel like, I just am not that person. I just don't know the Bible well enough for me to share. But can I encourage you, church? You know more Bible than 95% of the people outside these walls. A lot more. And you also have the Holy Spirit in you who will guide you into all truth. And if you're willing, if you're willing to say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do that. Be prepared. God will open the door. He'll provide you the words. He'll bring to your memory scriptures you never knew you had if you're open to what he wants to do. And witnessing needs to be with words. Now, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm a witness by my character about the way I live my life. I show Jesus to others. That's really good. But you have to use words because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Listen to Romans 10, 13. It says, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but how shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. People need a preacher. People need the gospel relayed to them in an understandable way. You know, I've talked to Pastor Farouz many times, and he speaks about how God is using visions and dreams in Iran to lead people to Christ. You know about that? But can I tell you, none of them come to Christ in their vision and dream. It prompts them to seek, and they're led to a person who shares the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Be prepared to share. And there's a couple of ministries we have in this church that can help you, but one in particular I'd like to share with you is called the Billy Graham Calling Ministry. If you've ever said, you know, I really don't know how to share the gospel, this is the ministry for you. What it is, is people call in to be saved. In other words, they see the Billy Graham show on TV, one of his classic preaching segments. We're one of only 40 churches in the whole United States that's a calling center. 
And people call in, about 50% of the calls are people even receiving Christ for the first time or they're calling to renew their faith in Christ. And it teaches you, it trains you how to share the gospel with them and then pray with them. And it's kind of like this. If, if after the service you decide, you know what, let's go get some brunch. And as you're walking out of this sanctuary, going through the doors, you see this whole line of people going out the door here all the way to Crisanta. And you say, excuse me, excuse me, I have to go to brunch. I'm, I'm on my way. And then you come back the following Sunday and you realize that that line of people, every one of them was coming in to see if somebody would explain Jesus to them. But hey, I got to do brunch. That's what this ministry does. They call you if you're willing to respond. If you feel that you don't know how to share Christ, this is it. This is a great ministry for you. I'd encourage you. I'd put a sign up out there. You can be a part of that ministry if you want to. We also have evangelism ministry called Go Ministry that will help you too. But here's one of the main ways to be prepared. Pray. Pray. Say, God, I want to be used by you. I'm willing to be used by you. Ask him. The Lord's very faithful to bring people along your path to share Christ with. This is how... Paul said to pray, Ephesians 6.19, he says, Pray on my behalf that the utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Ask God to give you the boldness for the mystery of the gospel to share Christ. I asked everyone on this trip to be ready to give a testimony. In other words, I didn't tell people if they were going to share their testimony. I said, I want you to be prepared to share your testimony And then at the end, we had this big church service. I called on three different people, literally about five minutes before the service so they didn't have to worry about it. Why? Because a testimony is one of the best ways to share Christ because nobody can speak against your own testimony. This is what God has done in your life. Do you know how to share your testimony? I'd encourage you, please, prepare a testimony. Be ready to share it. And this is a great bridge into sharing the gospel. Be sensitive, available, creative, respectful, prepared. Here's the last one. Be persistent. Be persistent in sharing Christ with others. The one thing about Philip is he didn't rest on his laurels, on his past success. This Ethiopian unit wanted to be baptized. And he says, hey, what's keeping me from being baptized? And he says, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he did. So he took him down, and right in front of everybody, he, he baptizes this man. It's, it's the outward symbol of the inward change. But then look what happens. In verse 4, it says, but Philem found himself in his otis. There was an amazing miracle that took place. Literally, the Holy Spirit transported Philip out of there, and it said that this man left rejoicing. Joy is a sign of salvation, Right? Philip suddenly finds himself in this place called Azotus, which is 60 miles from, from um, Caesarea. And it says here, as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel. He was persistent. This guy's like the ever-ready bunny of preaching the gospel. He never stops. He's persistent. This is who he is. Why? Because it's normal. This is what a Christian does. He shares Christ with other people. So much so... Towards the end of the book of Acts, this is years and years later, Paul speaking, he says, the next day we departed and came to Caesarea. Now Philip's living here. He says, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist. Years later, Philip's name is Philip the Evangelist. Guys, let's keep sharing. He's persistent. He's willing to share. Six things that we can do as a church to be an effective missionary right here. Be sensitive, available, creative, 
respectful, prepared, and persistent. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the work that you've done in this church. I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit to save, and then also, Lord, to lead and to guide and to help. Father, I pray now that you would minister to us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading some statistics of churches around America, it says that only about 5% of those within Christian churches, these are evangelical churches, have ever shared Christ and led someone to Christ. So only 5% of people in churches have had the opportunity to share with somebody else and actually lead them to Christ. I pray that would not be said of this church. It's Christmas time. We're moving into the Christmas season. And I think there is no better opportunity than now because everybody knows it. It's everywhere. Christmas is about Christ. And I just want to say a prayer for you and for me that this Christmas season will be that missionary in Orange County. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I, I would just come before your throne now, Lord. First, Lord, I ask forgiveness, Father. We as your people, we know we need to share, Lord. And, but Lord, there are things that hinder us. I pray even now, Father, that you'd forgive us for that. But now, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would make us bold. And Lord, that you would open an opportunity to share Christ. During this season, Lord, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, give us an opportunity, Lord, to be bold. Give us the words to share and the heart to share it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would prepare hearts ahead of time. Lead us and guide us, Lord. Make them divine appointments that we can be a missionary witness to those that you lead us to. And then save some, Lord, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was that perfect missionary that came here. And it says in Mark, in the very beginning, that he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then it says, believe in the gospel. If you're here today and you're wondering, well, what, I keep hearing this word gospel, what is that? That means that God loved us so much that he saw the depth of our sin and he knew that there's nothing religiously that we can do to be saved. No matter what type of religious deal we do, we're going to fall short of his glory. And so God himself came in human flesh. Jesus is the perfect substitute. He's the one who actually lived the life that we're supposed to live. The Bible says that he fulfilled the law. That means he kept it perfectly. Never sinned once. And he willingly went to the cross. And he experienced the judgment of God on the cross. That means the sin that you've sinned was placed on him and he took your guilt and he paid for it fully on the cross. And the reason he came and he experienced all of life, a baby, a young boy, a young man, and a man, is because we need somebody who could live life righteously in all those stages. And we get that righteousness credited to our account. It says you're justified. We're declared righteous. That means we're granted his righteousness. Win-win. He pays for our sin. We get the righteousness of Christ. And all God calls us to do is believe, to trust in Jesus' name.